This is the Saturday Morning Serial Podcast with your host, Amanda Ann. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Saturday Morning Serial. It's finally getting warmer out, so let's hope spring is on the way. Oh, my goodness. So today I will be talking about the new Netflix documentary, Crime Scene Murder at the Cecil Hotel, and the theories and controversies surrounding this. Netflix does not disappoint when it comes to true crime documentaries, and as an avid viewer of this genre, as well as ghost or paranormal shows, this is right up my alley. Before I begin, I do want to give this episode a trigger warning for those who might be uncomfortable about such things covered in this documentary, such as suicide, paranormal conversation, and other language that might be triggering to some. For those that are not familiar, this documentary is about the mysterious disappearance of Elisa Lamb. Perhaps you have seen her famously strange and unusual elevator footage right before her disappearance. I remember seeing this footage a while back on some YouTube videos, montage of creepy videos that you can find. (laughs) Sometimes I find myself going down that rabbit hole. And this one in particular, I remember being at a loss of what she was doing. At first glance, you're like, is she possessed? Because I really am into the paranormal ghost videos and all that fun stuff. So to me, it looked like a possession right at first. But there's much more of a narrative about this event that it gets so twisted and it sometimes is out of the realm of possibility. So let's get into it. The Cecil Hotel has been a famous hotel in downtown Los Angeles, California, but not for a good reason. This hotel has had its fair amount of murders, suicides, and other strange events. It opened on December 20, 1924, and this 15-story hotel began its journey into the dark world of people jumping off the higher floors, killers murdering and leaving their victims there, and even a mother, ignorant to the fact that she was pregnant, giving birth and throwing her baby out the window. There was even a report of someone jumping to their death and killing a pedestrian down below. The first report of a death there was on January 22, 1927. There have been reports of the famous murderer, the Black Dahlia, staying there in 1947 in the midst of her killing sprees, and the famous Night Killer staying there for weeks. All in all, a worker at the hotel is quoted saying, which room did someone not die in? Today, this place has been nicknamed Hotel Death, and it's been closed since 2019 for renovations, and it's supposed to open sometime in 2021. There's no word on it. I'll be curious to see, but I'm sure it's going to spark a lot of, like, tourist opportunities, wanting to find some, like, paranormal activity or whatever. I wouldn't stay here willingly either, even if it was, like, a dollar a night. I would ghost hunt, sure, no problem. I would ghost hunt with a group of people there, hands down, but that's about it. I don't think I would stay there. I would stay somewhere else. (laughs) So naturally, with all things considered, this turned into one of the creepiest places one can stay, and it kind of lost business starting with the Great Depression, and after that, it really started to decline, especially and unfortunately due to the growing population that resides on LA's Skid Row a few blocks away. For those that do not know what Skid Row is, please research it on your own. I don't really want to bring that into this podcast episode. Um, I don't want to judge or blame this event on anyone. 
But it is blocks full of the unfortunate where drugs are trafficked and crime rate is up high, etc. So over time, this hotel was known for its affordable nightly rates and it drew in younger people such as Elisa, who was aged 18 at the time. She didn't have much money and just wanted to explore LA and all it had to offer, all on her own. With these lower rates came others who wished to stay there and or rent rooms, and some could be argued to be shady, which is not a good combination of you have these younger folks coming in to stay and, you know, you have someone who's a convicted sex trafficker or whatever staying there. It's just a recipe for disaster. And I mean, when I was 18, I went with a friend and we went by ourselves to New York City and we stayed at this really cheap, crappy, dirty hostel, (laughs) which you had to share a bathroom with the floor and it had like one small bed and there's mold everywhere, dark, stinky, lit corridors. And looking back, I'm like, what the heck was I even thinking? (laughs) But when you're that age, you just need a place to rest your head at night, especially if you're planning on being out all day, which we were. You don't consider other factors, and now I know why my mom was a complete nervous wreck that whole time I was there. Don't worry, I called and checked in multiple times with her because I got a little nervous myself. It was my first time being away from home. Bearing that in mind, Elisa wanted to have the time of her life, and where to go other than L.A. for that. On January 26, 2013, she arrived in L.A., and she began blogging about her time on the social network platform Tumblr. And it's a place where overall she wrote a lot of her things on. Her Tumblr account was a big part in this case and will later help with the outcome of her disappearance, which was reported on January 30th. She also shared a room with a couple other girls as well. And it is worth noting during her time that she started acting really aggressive towards her roommates and she was asked to move to a different room by herself. For three weeks, investigators searched everywhere for the missing girl and allegedly checked every single nook and cranny in the hotel and just couldn't seem to locate her. This is when they were able to piece together surveillance footage of her acting very strangely in an elevator. This is where the wheels started to turn and multiple narratives about her disappearance started. For criminal investigators, she wasn't alone and talking to someone outside of the elevator and was kidnapped and killed by either someone she could have just met in L.A., or just a random person walking by with some ill will, or even someone internal in the hotel, which there's conspiracy that the surveillance footage was tampered with, or that it was sped up, or because like the elevator door would stay open and then close like almost a minute into the film. So it's pretty interesting to look at, and you can just imagine why all these conspiracy theories started to spark. Now, you also got your paranormal investigators, and due to the haunting nature of the premise she was staying on, she was possessed. Ghost Adventures on Discovery Plus just dropped an almost two-hour episode investigating this, which I started, but I still have to finish watching it. I kind of started after work and then (laughs) had to cook supper, so. But the whole paranormal thing we're really not going to touch upon because even though there's people that heavily believe in it. I mean, I do believe in spiritual, you know, spirits and all that. Um, we're just not going to discuss that here because it's basically a crime and we just really want to treat it as such with the evidence that are shown to us. 
There just seemed to be just a set of likely scenarios for a while, until her body was eventually found three weeks later in one of the hotel's water tanks after reports of the water being discolored and having a foul taste to it. They interview a couple that were staying there at the time, and the guy took a shower, she was drinking the water, they were brushing their teeth with it. I mean, just knowing that there was just a body floating in there, that just... Oh, it grosses me out so much. Oh my gosh. So now the investigators are starting to figure out how she died. This turned into a case of she was missing, she was found, and now they're trying to figure out what happened. They started posting help on the internet, which many people with whom talk about true crime on YouTube, I know I follow quite a few of them, and they're very, very informative and highly recommend checking some of them out. A lot of these people started to latch onto this case and provide their input. They started doing their own research. And this proves to be good and bad at the same time. The good part of it being more public awareness, maybe, you know, more people can help and try to identify if anyone was involved somehow directly. But it can also be a bad thing at the same time. An investigation, especially this one, got so busy and some of the evidence became watered down in the conspiracies everyone started to conjure up about this. There was so much going on that it just all became blurry. Social media, once again, provides to be a key concept in this case and documentary as word of mouth and the spread of the elevator video continue to go around online and more and more people were exposed to that and free to write their thoughts and opinions about this. And like I said, rumors started and some people truly believed in some of these rumors. For instance, this led to people pinpointing a death metal artist on YouTube that, you know, he sings about some really dark stuff. but. He stayed at the Cecil Hotel, but come to find out, not at the same time as Lisa. And I'm not going to name him out of respect for his privacy. He was wrongly accused of her murder and basically fact-checking brought the conclusion he was not at the hotel at the time, like I said, of Elisa's disappearance. And he was vlogging there, but, you know, that's what they just took it out of context. And the result was that... Unfortunately, the amount of cyberbullying and harassment this guy received has ruined his life and career, and it's because of the assumptions from these opinions about him building up on the internet, he got death messages, people were calling him a murderer, and I I can only imagine what he thought, and he even said he just has been very, very depressed ever since, so I really feel bad for the guy. Then... There was a tuberculosis outbreak on Skid Row, and people's minds were going wild with this one that, okay, well, maybe Elisa was working for the government, and she was put at the hotel for a reason, and she died in the water tank to poison the water and infect a number of people on Skid Row with the disease. And this gets even more strange, but the disease was even called Lamb-Elisa, which, what? Now, this is the part where I was just like, what is going on? Because at first, you you do start believing this conspiracy like, okay, maybe she was behind something. But then again, no, you just, no. 
But now the case has turned to a topic of mental health and bipolar disorder after finding Tumblr entries from Elisa that suggests she was not feeling well and she did have her bad moments. She did write some pretty dark things of what she was experiencing in her life, in her mind. And a family member also said she was notorious for skipping and or not taking the correct dose of her medications, which made her hallucinate pretty bad. When all is said and done, the case was closed and it was declared an accidental drowning. For me, I personally think that is what happened to her is the fact that she just missed a couple doses of her medication and her mind just took over her and she just couldn't function she couldn't control herself but one thing I do find strange is like the water tank how did she know it was up there how did she know how to access that so like I said this whole case is just crazy there's times in my life where I wish I would have chased the path of becoming a criminal investigator and I really did I was thinking of taking classes for it in high school but I kind of backed off because I don't know how I would would be able to handle myself out there. So that's why I went for the graphic design route. But there's a couple of YouTube videos analyzing the staff and they were interviewed and it there's like a conspiracy that someone in the hotel was behind it and evidence was tampered with. They took Elisa's belongings out of her room as soon as she turned up missing. And a lot of that just doesn't sit right with a lot of people. They also made it sound like the hotel is literally on Skid Row, which in reality after some evidence from, I watched someone on YouTube who lives across the street from the Cecil Hotel, it's blocks away and down below was pretty bare. But that's not saying that, you know, the occasional shady thing can happen there. So I personally think that Elisa was the victim of mental health. And I, you know, some people say that someone could have been behind it, maybe taunting her into going into the water tank. We don't know that. But one thing is for sure is that the documented cause of extreme bipolar disorder is very likely. And I'm a survivor myself of mental illness, and I know how it is to lose control of your mind and your body. It's almost like you're numb. And my heart truly goes out to anyone who is currently suffering and the ones we lost to the sickness. It gets better. Please get the help you need. And with that, I really do want to hear about your guys' thoughts and opinions on this case and this documentary as a whole. I hope everyone has a good week. And oh my goodness, WandaVision is wrapping up. And we just watched this last episode. And the very last, the season finale is next Friday. So we're going to jump on here and we are going to talk all things WandaVision next week. So I'm very excited about that and hope you guys tune in. So have a good week and I will talk to you guys next time. All right. Bye.